Captain Picard, priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Am I ready, Roman? Welcome to the Readier Room, the only longest-running, highest-quality, funniest, and most trekky Star Trek The Next Generation rewatch podcast. Every week we're coming at you with behind-the-scenes hidden lore about TNG and TNG people. My name is Mitchell Mells, Chief Consultant of Services at Paramount, and with me is my life partner, Brandon Hobbs. Brandon, how are we doing today? Wonderful, Mitch. Yeah. Um, yeah, I you know I don't I don't really have anything special going on today, but uh, I'm feeling good. Okay, well if you're wonderful, then I'm too too different. So uh-huh. yeah, uh-huh. I um I got something new here. I have a new drink. Um, just they just started selling these things. They're called um, pumpkin spice lattes. I don't know if you've what? ever heard of this. It's so you know what a latte is, right? Yeah, it's uh, coffee and milk. I think so. It's it's something and something for sure. And um, they take a little bit of pumpkin, and I guess they like grate it over the over the mm-hmm. latte, so you get like little yeah. pumpkin flakes in there. Oh, and, and it's fragrant. It's hearty, and it's um, a nice kick in the pants right in the morning to to get you going. I guess it is uh it is fall time now, so the pumpkins are out in full force, aren't they? Indeed, pumpkin force. Um they, but this is a new item and it's just it's just begun going going on sale here, so I got it recommended to me and I was a little bit skeptical and I said there's no way. There's just no way. Right, right. But there is a way. It's well, really good. You uh you heard it here first, Ensigns. Uh pumpkin pumpkin lattes. It's the new big thing. Yeah, no, a pumpkin Uh-oh. spicy latte. Pumpkin spicy latte. Now, what do they do with the seeds? Do they use the the whole animal? Well, I mean, so think about a pumpkin. Their surface area is quite quite large. So mm-hmm. when you when you're grating a pumpkin for its flakes, you can, I mean, presumably, I don't, I don't, I don't have a dead end job as a fucking uh, coffee maker, <laughs> but presumably you can grate one pumpkin for quite a quite many servings right right so regardless of how much of the the buffalo they're using here you get your money's worth on that pumpkin hmm all right well i mean so okay any um any barista ensigns we have listening to the podcast let us know how many pumpkins your uh your shop gets supplied with per quarter oh you want a cooking tip just not not for lattes but in general yeah, pumpkins sure. reminded me so um, maybe you're familiar with how one makes stocks, like a, like a, like a vegetable stock or something where yeah. you kind of just like throw a bunch of things in a pot and, and like boil them down to their essence. Um, some people they'll put in like, um, a ham hock, a bone of some sort, mm-hmm. uh, maybe some vegetables, some roots, even a, a stick, one of those hard cinnamon sticks. My point is that when you're dealing with pumpkins, you can take the stem of a pumpkin on the top of it. You know, cut that off, throw it in, 
to, to your pot, make a nice pumpkin-y stock for, for that autumn flavors. It's interesting, because that, that is where all the fat's stored. Right. And that boils out into into the stock, and, you know, you gotta leave it for quite some time. It's not... These things don't just happen, but... I will suggest cleaning it first, because uh, given that pumpkins grow in the ground, and get mm. quite dirty, but... yeah. That's also where a little bit of the flavor comes from, if I'm being honest. And, um, yeah, it's it's a really good way to get you and yours into the the autumn season, the autumn festa. That's a great idea. I pass it on. Ensigns. Pass it on. What's your favorite kind of pie? Well, maybe it's because we're talking about pumpkin, but I would say pumpkin pie. I mean, I'm exactly the same. It, it's, it got it on my brain. Um, here's the thing. There's kind of two types of pies. And they're inverse of one another. So imagine, in your mind, you have the pumpkin pie... Uh, the crust uh, along the edge just goes down into the pan. It's concave. And you just kind of fill that with pumpkin filling. Now think about a pumpkin. Or I'm sorry, an apple pie. There's crust on top. It's convex, right? Mm -hmm. and, and then that's yeah. held up with, with apple chunks. And the difference of those two styles of pie is immense. I really can't get behind the apple pie. It's just kind of gross. It's pretty remarkable. Yeah, you're right about that. And, you know, when you said there's two styles of pie, I was uh, I was right there with you. I knew exactly what you were talking about. You know, on the one hand, you have your your uh, apple, your blueberry, um, that kind of stuff. And on the other, you have your pumpkin, your key lime, yes. uh, maybe chocolate pie. They're a bit more custardy might be a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You kind of make like a like a gel, like as opposed mm -hmm. to these more... Uh, heterogeneous mixtures of the the apples, which are all discrete pieces. Yes, yes, exactly. So, yeah. So I mean, so so what what do you propose here? Do you propose we choose one from each category? Um, no, I I I'm fine just going with pumpkin, and I think really because I don't, I just hate the idea of the more con convex pies, and when people you hate them, they're just not appetizing to me because. Here's here's what happens. You have a fork and you have your piece, and mm -hmm. what your mission is is to cut off a piece of the pie. So you try to like get it through the, the, <laughs> yeah. the upper dough, and in doing so, you just push out all of the filling because it's not uh, nothing's holding That's it true. together. It ends up falling right apart. It's ridiculous, and I'm a little yeah. bit offended when relatives acquaintances bring those kinds of pies to you know Thanksgiving dinners or yeah pie offs whatever the situation is um it's it's difficult to eat the reward isn't there and the mouthfeel also isn't good because the mouthfeel is terrible it um, is i mean when the apples are too al dente uh, that's when it becomes a problem you know you're you're biting into the pie and you get this crisp and it's, it's just god awful yeah, um, it's like that's the, what I really want. Apple should a crunchy be mush. pie. Right, yeah. The apple should be mushy. Very soft. If a baby and... can't eat it, 
Yes. I don't want it. Um, I I need my my food processed to the the furthest possible degree, which is which is why I do prefer a nice pumpkin. But how do you feel about pecan? The nut or the pie? The pie. Um. I'm gonna guess you haven't had it. No, I have only oh. once. The thing is, I'm not wild about the nut. Not that I dislike it. Wow. No, That's it's wild. It's here's the thing. And I'm I'm not trying to be cute here, but when you get mixed nuts, it it truly is a mixed bag. Everybody's got their their preferences, and there's at least one or two nuts that you just kind of put up with because they're there. Mm-hmm. Not yeah. un, not unlike a social situation. And right, right. Pecans fall into that latter category where I'll eat them with other nuts, but I'm never gonna buy a box of bag of pecans. And uh, when they're the the centerpiece of a pie, like, I'll put up with it because it's a pastry and, like, it's got these sweet elements that are intrinsically going to be a little bit, a little tasty. And the pecans are there for the ride and it's not necessarily bad, but I'm not over the moon about it. That's how I feel about it. Ah, that's interesting because pecans are, like, the the centerpiece of my mixed nuts experience. Uh, Really? Maybe, maybe next to Brazil nuts. Yeah. I'm, oh god, I'm so bad with the names. I really like the more... I There's two kinds of nuts in my mind. There's really crunchy nuts, and then there's more crumbly nuts. And I'm not... I like the crunchy nuts a lot more. Like, peanuts are great. Um, There's... Cashews. Yeah, cashews. Excellent. Now, you take, like, a walnut, or... What's the one that looks like a pair of lungs? That's the walnut. Okay, yeah, that one. I'm not not into it. <laughs> yeah, see, I'm I'm the complete opposite. Really, you like the mush? But, you know, the, that's the that's why ones? we're life partners. That's why we're life partners. Um, Opposites attract. It was exciting when you know we celebrated, uh, you know what we ended up calling Star Trek pecan by bringing a, a bunch of pecan pies <laughs> onto set. Yes, yeah, a bit of a joke. um somehow i don't think they appreciated it as much as we did no but but we did right and oh uh, someone's gotta do it it's um it's a dirty job someone's gotta bring a little levity to uh to star trek picard in some fashion yeah well patrick's not gonna do it that's for definitely not not yeah you know, he's just always complaining about having to get out of his chair and yelling at people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. What did he say the other day? Uh, if you uh, if you like the Jonas Brothers, cover your belly. Oh, I th- I was thinking of something else when he told that production assistant to sit on his lap. Oh. <laughs> well, who wouldn't? I mean, come on. Oh, Pat. Pat Rick. Pat Rick. Pat Rick. Speaking of Patrick Stewart, did you know that he was on Star Trek The Next Generation? No. No, I didn't. Um, when when did this happen? Um, that was several decades ago. But did you, oh. know, did you know that we worked on Star Trek The Next Generation? No. When did this happen? 
that was also several decades ago. Um, it's a very exciting story. I'll have to tell you sometime. Um, but we do a podcast about it, and sometimes people like to write in and ask us questions about that time. <laughs> so we got one this week. Um, this one comes in fresh on the readyroom at gmail.com, gmail.com email account. And this one comes from somebody named Debbie in Anchorage. And I wonder if that's short for Deborah. Most likely. Mm. Uh, Debbie says, why do you guys hate Star Trek so much? I don't really understand why you do this show. Well, I mean, mm, Debbie. Debbie. Deborah. Debster. Um, that's a really complicated question, and asking it kind of sheds some light on your character. I can assume that that you've never had children of your own. Well, she's she's a Star Trek fan after all. That's true, and I mean, and and her name's Debbie. She probably weighs more yes. than both of us combined. Um, so just like with children, just like raising anything up, anything that you care about. Sometimes you have to, you know, hate it because you love it so much. Um, you, you do things like you identify its flaws, you bring them up constantly, and celebrate their rare successes with some backhanded remarks, all in the name of fostering their growth and uh, building up their character, right? Um, that's just mm -hmm. kind of parenting 101. It shows affection in a lot of ways. And I think the opposite approach which is probably what you're accustomed to being a fan is something more like uniform 100 percent positivity which doesn't really accomplish anything right you tell a kid oh good job when they didn't do a good job like who's that mm -hmm. for is that for you mm -hmm. um it's gotta be it's gotta be and you know in general parents or fans really should be a bit more critical when when you're not critical and you just let anything go, it gets away from you. You give the situation an inch and it takes a mile. You know that's how we ended up with Enterprise. It's how we ended up with Voyager, First Contact. Yep. Um, yep. People like you are the reason we got Star Trek Picard, and now we're getting Picard Two. And there's this oh, stupid God. fucking lower decks uh, animated. <laughs> like, you know what? Coming back to your question, you're right, Debbie. I, I do hate Star Whatever. Fuck Star Trek. Fuck you. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, this is this is how we get um, characters in, in Star Trek uh, who, are, who are women named Michael. What? You know? The, the, the... Is this on that one that I just didn't watch? The Enterprise. Enterprise... Jesus. There's a woman named Michael. Wait, hold on. I am so far behind here. I thought Enterprise was the one with Scott. Oh, no, that's the, that is the one with Scott. I was talking about this Discovery. Oh, okay. Okay. So I'm not insane. But I did refuse to watch Discovery on principle. Right. Mostly because it was Star Trek. So hey, As one does. Yes. Ugh. Next, next thing you know, they're going to have women named Mitchell. And then I'm gonna yeah, have to deal and, with and this. And then, right? It's all, uh, it's 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 all up in the air now. I mean, up is down, left is right. Hamburgers are eating people. Jesus. Well, I mean, 
If you have a question of your own, be sure to email us at thereadierroom@gmail.com, or you can tweet at us at thereadierroom, and uh, we'll answer your questions every week live on the show. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Deborah. Yep. Thank you, Deborah. Debbie. Thank Debbie. And um, good luck finding a man. Mm-hmm. And uh, losing that weight. Yeah. Um. You know what? If more ensigns wanted to write into us with the progress on their journeys, we appreciate it, and we'll give you a shout out on the show. Ensigns lifting each other up, signified by their captains, their admirals. It's a beautiful, mm-hmm. it's a beautiful ecosystem. And if you are interested in losing weight, you might want to stick around uh, till the end of the podcast and listen to us uh, talk about our sponsor. Yes, yes, look forward to that. Um, it's an exciting opportunity for all of us here. I don't want to give too much away. Right, right. It is. It's very exciting. It's equally exciting, perhaps well, a little less exciting, but is this week's episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation, which we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Which um, I'm just going to come out and say it is the best episode that we've watched so far from season one. Yeah, from season two. Nothing really. I think compares. I think that's the kind of the general consensus um, of everyone is this is. The first episode, no matter who you are, what you think, what your tastes are, this is the first actual must-watch episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. It's kind of got it all. And when you think of the things you like about TNG, it's got um, it's got a focus on some of the more interesting characters. Uh, you have some Riker stuff, and obviously a whole lot of Data stuff, and then some Picard mm-hmm. stuff. Um, it's a smaller-scale story that... It's an entire conflict done through you know, dialogue and debate. Um, it raises an intellectual and also um, ethical question, perhaps philosophical. And um, it's it handles that with a certain amount of grace. And it's got a lot of great performances. Minus one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I understand Patrick didn't like it very much because there were there were no explosions or action scenes. Like um, he couldn't drive around in a dune buggy, right? You know, we, we also don't get Riker having sex with anyone or Worf talking about honor or growling. No, uh, we we get no Troy quote reading people's minds. We um, we do get a shot of her laughing at Data at his own uh, going away party. Oh yeah, <laughs> Data. We get uh, no god entities um, who the, the the Enterprise crew has to kind of convince to to let them live. First contact isn't made with anybody. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, it is, it is a really nice episode. Um, I'm not sure how convinced I am. I mean, relative to everything else, this is a 10 out of 10 episode so far. Yeah. I will say that. I, I'm not sure how convinced I am in the way it plays out. Um, there's just a few little naggling things, you know? Yeah. Naggling? Niggling? A, niggling? I didn't want to say that. Nagging. Nagging. Yeah. There, there, there's a few little things just nagging. Nagging? Whatever. You know what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, I still think that if I were to make a master list of my rankings of the entire series this would probably find its way up onto the top 20 um mm-hmm. so taken out of its context i still, still think it's quite strong you're right sure in that 
perhaps the one of the parts of the episode that could have been stronger is Picard's um, argument inside of the trial. Yeah. Which I assume is what you're referring to. To a degree. I, I mean, I think the trial overall um, felt just a little bit sophomoric, a little bit surface level. It did. Um, I think a problem with that, uh, rather a reason for that, was that there wasn't a lot of back and forth. Um, yeah. Not, there was right, no cross-examination. Right. Um, they didn't. Uh, Riker and Picard didn't argue with each other so much as just present one um, speech and then somebody arbitrated which one was better. Yeah, and I think I think the theme of this episode, um, part of the reason it, it strikes such a chord is that these are all things that the audience has had time to reckon with in terms of data, his character, his place in the series, his place in this world. Hmm. I mean, you don't you don't watch TNG for for a season and a half and not think, um, you know, what do I think of Data? You know, uh, how, how is is he a human? Is he equal to a human? Is he better than a human? Can he think like people? Um, so to me, watching watching that trial scene, it was kind of like these are questions I've already asked myself by this point. Yeah, uh, I think that uh, you know the way to get around the redundancy of it is to give a really compelling uh, case to the prosecution. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I like how the prosecution was written to some extent. Yeah. Yeah. And I just wish that um, it had been a little more fierce to, to, to make the audience question their uh, view of the situation. Because it's really, you're fighting a lot sure. of momentum to get them to ever really uh, come out against Data, who's one of the more likable characters on the show. Yeah, and that's that's a really good point. I do wish I was challenged a little bit more on that end. And um, it was well written. Um, Frakes did a great job in that scene. It was very dramatic. But it was not uh, the nail in the coffin that the episode wanted to make it seem like with, with Picard going to, to get a drink because of how much that destroyed him. I, I, I always I wonder, um, what exactly was Picard's plan before he talked to Guinan? Like, <laughs> when, when, when he goes into the trial and he's waiting his turn, what was he planning on saying? Because <laughs> he just seemed to have nothing in mind. Right. right. It's like he never thought about this at all. And that's another thing. I mean, if the audience has thought about it, he has as well. He's a very, very philosophical person. So... There, there's a really uh, funny moment where um, after Picard talks to Guinan and he's starting his um, defense, the tone with which um, Patrick reads the lines just <laughs> makes it sound like Picard is just making it up as he goes along and he's just lost. He sounds it. so defeated. Right. He's like, well, I mean, I guess all of us could be individuals with rights. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I I agree. Um, but, Obviously, uh, he gains more st- momentum as he goes along, and it ultimately is a well acted 
uh, yeah. scene. But yeah, the starting off was a little strange. It's an emotionally satisfying uh, scene for sure. So I, I can't I can't get too upset about it. How do you feel um, about the decision to have Riker be the uh, the prosecution? Stupid. I, it was stupid. Yeah, I agree. It, it's um, it's a very hand weavy where yeah. the JAG officer just forces him into the situation. Well, if you don't try your best, I'm gonna, I'm gonna know, and I'm gonna get you. And it feels very un Riker to not find a way to um, win within within these confines. Definitely. Um, and it's it's such an arbitrary rule to begin with. Right. Uh, it, it didn't sit well with me that, you know, like, oh, you can't ship someone out. <laughs> there, there's there's no one else to in the area that could possibly do do this. Who's maybe uh, objective. Right. You know, this is like a clear conflict of interest. And the way the episode gets around this is... Um, the uh the woman what what was her name um jag officer the the leader of the jagoffs the leader of the 25 sector jagoffs <laughs> philippa she's a jagoff um amanda i mean i i philippa. Her, her actress's name philippa yeah um philippa says um if i think you're not doing the best job i think you can do then it's over but that would also require her to have the ability to read minds. Um, but you know, maybe she's a Betazoid. I was I was sitting there during Picard's um, defense, waiting for uh, Riker to object or or interject or anything, because um, mm-hmm. it, it kind of cuts to Riker, who's just kind of looking a bit unsure of himself, and it cuts to uh, the Jag officer, and. Oh, this is it. He's going to be tested. He's got to interrupt the card and when he doesn't really want to. And he just doesn't, and she doesn't care either. Yeah. Yeah. How, uh, how would you feel if, to sidestep this issue of not... Because um, I, I, I get the sense, and I don't quite remember what the, the confines were th- at the time, but I get the sense that we couldn't get... We just couldn't get another actor to do that. Like, we didn't have uh time or budget to hire someone on so yeah assuming that there was there was some uh inescapable reason that that they can't get another person to play an attorney how would you feel about the court the trial setup being the prosecution is that oh that scientist and the defense is data himself and data has to prove his own uh legitimacy I don't know if I like that so much because one of the things that I enjoyed about this episode is that we've kind of it, it, it shows how far we've come with this crew since episode one where Riker was um, probably a little bit a little bit suspicious of data. Hmm. Um, and, you know, you, you would have the constant uh, stupid slapstick data scenes that, that added nothing and and everyone always just seemed annoyed with him um and 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 to get to this episode where you have Riker explicitly saying you know he's my friend 
and you have all the sentimental stuff with Picard. I liked that, and I liked that they both had to have a hand in it. Um, but I, you know, it, obviously that comes back to um, I don't like the way that Riker was involved, the way that it was written. But conceptually, I like that they have to be both heavily involved in this. Yeah, um, I buy that. And certainly any opportunity for Picard to um, be diplomatic or persuasive uh, intellectually is, is, yeah. is just interesting and good television. Um, mm-hmm. And it works for establishing their uh, bonds as characters. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. But I can't, like, when, you know, they're at this, I guess it's a space station? Um and there's barely any extras on on the ship, and it's just all these big empty rooms, and they're like, we're gonna have a trial, and it's really just the four of us, and we can't bring anybody in. Everything feels a little hollow. Um, just yeah, not necessarily when you're privy to the context and the situation, but rather when you're just watching the images on screen and it just feels like this is a huge room and there's two people in it and the camera's kind of pulled back and it just feels a little lonely. Um, yeah. I don't know. Although I did like the amount of new sets in this episode. Yeah. Um, although, uh, you know, to to add a little note to the end of that, um, they're all redressed sets. Oh, right. Um, the uh, the trial room is a redressed battle bridge. Hmm. Um, what what other set was there? There was um the set where they played poker. There was oh right 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 yeah. There, there was um, the set where Picard first runs into Philippa. You know I I just gotta stop here. What is this name? Philippa? Like I get it, Philip. Feminine Philippa. Version? Yeah, that's her name. This that's how it's pronounced. Yeah. That's how that's how Patrick says it anyway. And... You know, um, uh, Amanda, um, the actress, of course, uh, would go on to to write the songs for the Land of Before Time sequels. You know, I thought that was her. Mm-hmm. I you got... can kind of tell. Right. I, I had that suspicion for the longest time, and you've just confirmed it. Yep. Yep. Good for her. Uh, I... Yeah. A big shout out to whatever is holding up her hair in this episode. <laughs> um, look, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna front, okay? As the kids say, mm. I thought she was pretty hot. Yeah, she's got a little something. Nah. And you know, um, at, at at the time, at the time, I'm not afraid to say that I was, you know, before I chose to be gay, um. I was I was attracted to her. Yeah, I never got that. Hmm. Well, it. I don't know. She's just kind of very off-putting. <laughs> very very handsome woman. <laughs> She's a handsome woman. <laughs> she certainly is. Uh, how do you feel about um, about that poker scene? I have a lot of feelings about the poker scene. Um, First of all, I like it. I, I I love seeing the crew unwind and uh you know have these 
more interpersonal moments with, with one another casually. Mm -hmm. um, I think data learning about poker is, is fun because the idea of him being bamboozled by a bluff kind of makes sense when you think about how a computer would approach just a statistics game. Right. Um, it's not it's not written the most elegantly, but the idea is nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah, him, it's cute. Him having like the card visor is also cute. Yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was good. <laughs> uh, now, the I really and this is throughout the series. I hate, I hate, I hate how um, I was going to say how Frakes is written, how Riker is written <laughs> in these episodes, and. Mm -hmm. There's this kind of like ties in to a story I have, so I'll, I'll get that through and then I'll get into just how fucking annoyed I am. But mm -hmm. so I think it was after season three when we had a few more poker scenes by that point. Um, after we wrapped on season three as a celebration, a lot of the cast went out to casino and they're like, you know, we've been playing poker all this time. Let's actually play some poker. Let's uh, see who's the best, you know, whatever. And they sit down, and as the story goes, there's a few, like, uh, I guess the term would be grinders there. Uh, people who just, you know, are pretty good at poker, make a living doing it, and just are kind of no-nonsense, I want to play the game. And right. probably some, also, like, some drunk guys. Typical uh, casino table. And then the crew, the, the cast of TNG, you know, uh, comes up, and they're just kind of partying and being obnoxious. And Frakes... It's always fucking freaks in these stories. Um, <laughs> he was a troublemaker. He was. He capital T trouble. Yeah. And he starts getting a little arrogant because he's freaks, and that's just what he does. So he gets he gets into the, like the Riker point of view, and from what I hear, because of course I wasn't invited to this, um, freaks plays poker exactly like. Riker does where he does the whole dramatic <laughs> I'll see your 50 and I'll raise you 50 and here's the thing maybe people at home don't know this that's illegal you cannot do this <laughs> yeah. that is absolutely something you cannot do at any um, casino poker table mm -hmm. and Frakes did not get this no matter how many times the dealer is like sir you can't do that you can't string bet is what it's called and um, Frakes just kept going. Eventually, he had to get removed from the casino. Ended up getting banned. Um, I think it was Harris. I'm not quite sure what the name of it was. But it's that was how many decades ago? He still can't go back. He just... what? I don't... Again, I was not there. But apparently, um, whilst being removed by security, he caused enough of a scene to get a lifetime ban. That's That's incredible. And I think the worst thing is that anybody who knows John would be like, yeah, I can see that. I can. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, and this, and not only is it, has it always been a problem as far as long as I've known him, uh, around this time you were starting to get this, this problem, I guess you might call it, where the actors were starting to assume their characters' personalities um, yes. off the set. And Frakes was probably the number one offender of that. Well, I mean, you want to call Frakes the number one offender. You got a lot of criteria <laughs> to go by. But, you know, he'd, he'd, um, he'd, he'd 
he'd get drunk and kind of insist that you call him by his rank. Which is weird for somebody who's not even the captain. Yeah, yeah, it is It is a, a fairly high title. What is his title again? I, I, it's Commander. Just, Commander, okay, I keep thinking number one. <laughs> no, he hated that. If if you ever called him that while he was drunk. Right, well, I mean, he always... it was not going to end well. He always thought it was a urine joke. You know, like, yeah. oh, I'm going to yep. go number one. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go mm-hmm. take a wee freaks. <laughs> Uh, so, so what is it that you dislike about about how well, Riker is written here? That's just it. Like this is completely autistic, but I can oh, yes. I cannot get yeah. over this betting strategy thing. Because right, right. here's here's the thing. Here's why it's it's complete bullshit, uh, bad etiquette. It's so if you bet fifty, and I go, I you know. I also put in 50 and just kind of like wait. I'm like watching you for your response. And yep. then, you know, if you show a sign of weakness, I'm like, and 50 more. <laughs> yeah. It's just, and it's so slow. If everybody did that, games would just take forever. And right. just watching it, because he always, you know, that's how the character's written. That's how he's played. I can't really blame Frakes so much for this, but. Riker always has such an arrogant air about him, and like all the other characters talk about his poker prowess. He's cheating. He cheats. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's time. it's it's very much like uh, like like a trench coat wearing kind of convention goer um, who 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 is just a little too confident. Yes, um, has no self awareness. Right. Everyone should be making fun of him. All the all the other characters should be making fun of Riker for doing this. You can make this scene ten times better if Riker's behavior is exactly the same, but just like you said, the other characters are just kind of like bullying him. <laughs> like, you know, Riker bets, and then Data's like, you know, flopping his hand around. He's like, "Well, I'll see your fifty, and I'll raise." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that uh, that that would have been solid. But to actually be fair to the show and the scene. No, I have no problems with it in that regard. It's like I said, it, it does a lot of nice things for establishing uh, the characters in a different environment than we di- than we typically see them. Their relationships that aren't their work relationships. Uh, I like it a lot, and I'm glad yeah, it became so a mainstay. A, it's a good way to start off a data episode too, especially something like this. Oh uh, yeah, that is a good point. Um, there's a thinking about it. There's a number of good episodes that start with uh, poker scenes. I like the one where they're in a time loop and they it keeps cutting back to them at the poker yes. table. Yes, yeah, that's good. Now, here's a question. Mm. In a post-scarcity society, explain gambling. Well, we're going to have to reckon with, with the post-scarcity society, I think, a couple of times uh, throughout this episode. Um, I guess... <laughs> I guess I mean in the same way that it's kind of fun to gamble with with change or whatever. Yeah. Kind of. It's kind it's of. you know maybe like a penny stock. Um, you can kind of create your own fun in in that regard. But it, it, yeah, it, I, I get the question. It takes a lot of honor and mutual understanding to um, have fun gambling with 
either low stakes or imaginary stakes. And the reason yeah. I, the reason I say that is the fun of a game of chance like poker relies on everybody operating on the exact same level. Um, if you have, you know, people who are, I don't know, shark-ish, maybe like Riker, who is, you know, he's bluffing and he's taking it seriously. And then you have somebody who just rolls in. He's like, well, no, this isn't real money. I don't care. I'll just go all in. Yes. Right? Yes. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. And neither of those two people can really have fun with one another. Every one involved has to be on the same level. You need to have the same kind of competitive spirit if if you don't have anything to really lose. So that's a good point. So um, it's conceivable that you could get that, but I am uh, dubious. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's distance ourselves from poker talk uh, before I kill myself. No, this is the 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 poker podcast. No. no, that's our other podcast. That's on Wednesdays. Oh my god, I forgot about that. You god, wanna, you're you getting want, them all mixed up, Mitch. You want to do a plug right now for the for the poker podcast? Yeah, um, Wednesdays uh, usually, um, as long as we're not you know working on something unexpected. Mm. Poker pals, um, usually about half an hour. We we talk poker. We talk poker people. We talk poker players. We talk poker strategy, and. Um, we 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 do a weekly review of um you know a given card like like you know one one week we'll talk about the the jack of clubs you right. know and, and we'll discuss kind of the history and the merits of it um you know the cons and uh you know it's I, a general I, idea it's i just want to you know every time we say this and on the podcast itself we always have to bring it up we're not giving financial advice. Just don't right. uh, don't take right. anything we say all too just legal things. But yes, mm-hmm. poker pals every Wednesday. Um, whereas you know, ready room, little loose, loosey goosey. Poker pals all business and uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's a little more uh, a little more down to earth. I think. Well, you know, <laughs> this being a Star Trek podcast, of course. True. But um, as we just seen, uh, they take poker to the stars. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know that's that's why when this kind of stuff comes up in an episode, we're able to kind of hone in on it and um, give you the straight talk about what would really happen in a situation like this. We are men of many talents. Mm-hmm. Many, certainly. Many, many talents. Many, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, <laughs> oh. um yeah uh so after after the poker game um which we'll never talk about again no um we we are treated to a scene where where picard runs into um philippa right yeah and she introduces herself as the the leader of the jagoffs and uh we learn that they let asians be admirals very progressive. Um, yeah, that little little tiny little tiny man. Um, no. He's an admiral, wearing wearing. Yes, I, I yes. must yes. add <laughs> <laughs> the very rare interim admiral uniform. I was so vexed on this uniform, or vexed yeah. by it when I saw it. It's um, 
it's got big tracksuit energy yes yeah it does it does um i can't say i hate it no it's 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 nice in its uniqueness i think a lot of it has to do with the design around the cuffs um on the sleeves and uh it's it sets him apart from everyone um yeah yeah you know he's the admiral how do you feel about the top of that actor's head because i recall his hair and or hair piece i'm not exactly sure i don't remember so clearly just being a little notable uh i I didn't pay attention to that one dang sorry sorry well we we got we got one thing we do we do but um not to gloss over the introduction of philippa i because i really liked this established relationship she shares with picard yeah it's a little uncomfortable but it's also good to see picard regarded as a i don't know a sexual being yeah 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 certainly because you're not quite ready for it at any point um you know he's bald he's old he's just kind of like this sexless android and here comes this old flame that he's also like quite antagonistic with to some degree and uh it's one of the rare times where you feel like oh i really want to know more about their story Um, yeah does a lot of work to hook you on that very very early in the episode Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it does and i i i mean that aspect of the relationship doesn't really go anywhere but no it doesn't but it's it's um, still nice to have some humanity in this show yeah oh yeah yeah i mean it is sorely lacking that aspect uh pretty pretty often um there's there's a line that she says uh as as the admiral walks up to the to the table um she she says call me yeah which is a little overtly flirtatious <laughs> well n- not only just overtly flirtatious but but does anyone in star trek use the word call the verb call like to call someone what would you rather it be i understand what you're saying but um what, are you taking suggestions um, to tele televid screen me or something i don't know it just seems like a primitive verb to use call me well they're playing with uh 19th century playing cards at the beginning and uh it's it's not out of the realm of possibility to use outdated verbiage but yeah this doesn't bother you at all not so much because it's not um I might just be coping, I'm not sure, but the fact that it's <laughs> it's it's something that um is said in a again in a flirtatious way between acquaintances, it's not an official um message that might be using outdated terms for no real reason. I don't know. We've co- Alright, sure. That's fine. There's times where um Star Trek's a bit ridiculous in this regard. And there's times where it's a little more sensible. I'm not sure mm-hmm. if this is one of those ridiculous times. Right, right. Um, well, in any case, we have some some funnier lines uh, coming up anyway. So just wanted to throw that out there, see if I, I got any bites. No, it's good to try, but, but not this time. Yeah, yeah. I, I, guess, I guess that only bothered me. 
but as is often the case. Now, yeah. I, I have my own bone to pick with this woman. I think that Philippa, the Jagoff, is such a terrible yep. performance. Oh, she's awful. Right? Horrible. The the At the end of the episode, we're jumping around so much, but at, at the end of the episode, when she's giving her little speech, uh, the most stilted performance I've seen in a long time. It was really bad. She, like, attempts to, to get teary-eyed, but doesn't really get there on that yeah 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 she uh she she sounds like a like an anime voice actor Ooh. uh a localized one or a... yes yes yeah. like an english an english dub one yeah i buy that it's a shame because otherwise the episode is characterized by really good performances um mm-hmm. the guy who plays the I don't remember what the scientist's name was, but him, um, Matt Maddox. Maddox, that's right. Uh, he, he would he would go on to create the uh, the the best damn page in the universe. Oh right, and you know he mm-hmm. can say that because he's been around the universe. Right, right, yeah, makes sense. And um, obviously the main cast: Patrick, John, Data. Also gives a yeah. Data, <laughs> Patrick, John, and Data. <laughs> Patrick, John, and Data. <laughs> yeah. Brent also um, gives a good performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brent was great. You're right. Maddox was great, too. Um, in fact, do you remember um, that scene in Data's quarters? Where, between Maddox and uh, Data? Between between Maddox and Data. I do. Where, um, yeah, it, it was supposed to be, you know, obviously in the episode, it's 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 the book that he's packing away is Shakespeare given to him by, by Picard. Hmm. Um but behind the scenes here, <laughs> um, you 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 see when you're watching the episode, you see just the slightest bit of hesitation from Brian as he starts to read from that book, mm. um, and that's because the book was not Shakespeare uh, as he expected it to be, uh, but it was actually Michael's copy of the Quran, um, which was opened to, and and I remember this verse vividly from our onset Quran study. Oh yes, but here was the verse. Men are the maintainers of women because Allah has made some of them to excel others and because they spend out of their property. The good women are therefore obedient, guarding the unseen as Allah has guarded. And as to those on whose part you fear desertion, admonish them and leave them alone in the sleeping places and beat them. Then if they obey you, do not seek a way against them. Surely Allah is high. Great. So um, Brian's recitation in that scene was all entirely from memory. And, you know, just got to shout out to him because what a professional. And um, we, we rewarded him by never calling him back to the show ever again. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to risk putting a stain on the legacy of what was um, a truly excellent performance. You, yeah, yeah. You, you risk tainting that. And it was all just amazing because um well with the quran stuff it really gave a certain mood to the set right Mm -hmm. it's nice to have such a delineated schedule where you know all right these are our work times broken up five times in a day and it, it gave everybody such a unified pace that sometimes the guest actors struggled to um 
keep up with. But yeah. Brian, no, he was there all the time, just keeping lockstep with everyone else. Yes. Yeah. See, I was I was impressed. I mean, it makes you wonder if maybe he had some kind of experience. Um, but you you are correct that it would often become a point of contention or a point of confusion. Um, for us, it was just. I mean, it was a logical step, you know, the, the first season production was so, I don't even know what the word would be, chaotic, you it, know? It was formless, directionless, it, it really needed mm -hmm. some kind of guiding light. Right, right. And, um, you know, I think g going into this, this practice uh, with season two, we started to finally find kind of our purpose, you know? Our meaning to to what we were doing so yeah you're, you're right um do, do, and it's, it's nice to reflect back on that it is it wasn't all smiles um do you remember that time amanda drew a picture of the prophet <laughs> oh, oh yeah that was um, a dark day on set yes yes um terrible terrible not, not just not just a bad actress but a bad person right it's um just just insensitive rude yeah yeah so yeah we really did have kind of the uh the 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 two sides of the the coin here with our guest actors um at, at least the um the quality of the personality scaled with the quality of the performance exactly exactly which is nice it keeps things simple uh doesn't confuse me i i remember yeah. i had to during the first few days before i really gotten to know them i had to write it down on my hand um mm -hmm. amanda good i'm sorry amanda bad and uh brian good brian good yes yeah 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 but it was a fun time it's nice when yeah. you're on the smaller scale stories because it's a little more intimate with everyone mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. it's you know you want to get the prayer circle together it's everyone's in the same room the mats are easy to lay out rather when it's like this more larger scale production it's, everyone's kind of doing their own thing and you don't really get the sense of community yeah 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 and that's that's a great word it, it was a community mm. a community yeah, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah um now the only thing we couldn't really do is grow out our beards which yeah. was kind of a sticking point i think with a few people uh, it was really really hard for marina yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, I mean, you could you could kind of tell. I mean, even even season one, she was kind of trying to grow it out. It was a kind of a bet between her and and Jonathan, um, who could grow out a beard first. And for a good amount of time, Marina was winning. But yep, we know how that yep. ultimately ended. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. Um, I was personally rooting for her, but what are you gonna do? Yeah, maybe next time. Um, yeah, I hear that uh, as as women age, their equivalent of male pattern baldness is uh, female pattern beard. So sometimes the hair. That's uh, really pleasant to hear, Mitch. Thank you. Well, I mean, there's a reason we don't really mess with that, right? <laughs> oh, that's true. That's right. That's right. Uh, so speaking of Amanda. Um, she says an historic moment in this okay. episode, which I love you. 
So here, I've been thinking about this for so long before we even got to this episode. Not this this reading in particular, but the phrase "an historic." Yeah. Um, I don't know where this began. Now I get it. If you ignore the H sound, it, like, historic, right. then sure that an makes historic, sense. right? Yeah. But an a historic. It's a historic moment. That's historic, fun. yes. It- it's a historic moment. Right. So I this is such a common widespread problem echoing throughout decades of our lives. Yeah. It's crazy to me. Um, I have no explanation for it. I have no uh, forgiveness for it. But I just want you to know that this is stuck in my craw. Yeah. No, me too. Me too. Uh, and obviously that's why I pointed it out because it, this has bothered me for decades. And... Here it is in in my favorite show, Star Trek: The Next Generation. Just waiting to ambush me. Do you ever have a situation where um, you don't trust yourself to say something that's commonly uh, misspoken correctly, so you take great lengths to avoid saying it? Uh, well, what are you thinking about? Oh, what am I thinking about? Um, it's. All of a sudden, and I know right. I'm going to fuck up and say all of the sudden at some point. All of the sudden. So, well, that's grammatically well, correct as well, is it not? I don't think so. But whenever it's like it comes up, I take a pause and I just say suddenly. Suddenly, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure I've seen the phrase all of the sudden. And it pisses me off in the same way that an historic moment does. Exactly. But I, I think it is grammatically correct. Maybe, big maybe, but I am not really gonna stick around to find out. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. Let's let's uh, let's move on. We got uh, we got some big scenes for our door operators in this episode. Oh yes. Um, lots of closing and opening of doors. Uh, you know, zoomed in. They did a great job. I just want to point that out. The unsung um, heroes. Yeah. Yeah. So here's a question that I have kind of as like an overall um i don't know problem with with the conceit of the episode just a couple episodes ago they transferred a man's intelligence into their computer and this man figured out how to transfer your entire mind knowledge and personality to a computer right um and if this was going to be such an issue, could they not have, you know, um, gone to that well, figured out how to do that with data, transfer him to something else, and then, you know, if something happens to his body, then there's time to fix it without losing him. There's a number of ways to think about this. Um, inside the lore of the show, let's start there. So, it to me, it makes sense that initially... What's his face? Maddox doesn't really have this solution because that man's mind was uploaded to the Enterprise's computer and maybe it's not on the network or whatever. Mm-hmm. I get that. So that's fine. But the Enterprise should be suggesting that. It's like, well, you know, you, you're not really sure, but we have this solution. What do you think about it? And uh, that's one way to play this out. Now, from a writing perspective, you can't have a solution to this problem. There's absolutely no 
way <laughs> that you can have a solution while still maintaining the core conflict of what the episode's about while everybody yeah. acts reasonably because data um his decision has to be a purely logical one um otherwise he would you know accept it he's he's not going to be irrational mhm but you're right in that it's very unfortunate that these two episodes take place in uh, this chronological order it's it's one of those one of those examples of how paying attention to the canon of a show is detrimental to self-contained stories it kind of ruins things it does it absolutely does um you know i was just watching this episode thinking how stupid this conflict is given what we've just been through but um oh well you know i it, you don't really have a choice but to drop it yeah it's there's something to be said about how anything that's not neatly tied up at the end of an episode can have far-reaching implications just given how outrageous the storylines are in this show. Yeah, yeah. Let's not even talk yeah. about Moriarty, who's just... Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure there's a million things we're not even thinking about right now that could be applied to, to what we're talking about here. Exactly. So, it's best not to think about it, but you, you always have this itch in the back of your mind, like, man, I wish Star Trek was a smarter show. <laughs> yeah yeah it's tough it gets there eventually i think it i hope i think it, it gets there on an intra episode uh vector inter episode yeah. not so much i think it gets better about it though sure it gets better you have pillar on as as producer and stuff like that i think i think things kind of start to make more chronological sense mm. but we'll see when we get there i guess well the thing is a lot of episodes are kind of written in more or less isolation oh yeah yeah definitely but you know that's that's also the job of someone someone has that job to make sure things are consistent it's gotta have it a good showrunner will do a lot of work yeah. there um we never had a good showrunner <laughs> <laughs> We, only we did have, have a showrunner, though. We did. Um, and showrunner. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Amanda's character, or I guess Amanda herself, also says Data is a toaster. That's fine. I like that line. Do uh, they have toasters? Oh, okay. You got me. They probably don't. Why would they need a toaster? Damn Although it. this did this did cross my mind, however, that Frakes no Riker does enjoy cooking in in the old style way, right? Yes, that has come up. That's part of his romantic charm. Right, right. So he may have a toaster, but are these things produced anymore? I don't no, know. There's no for both her and the person she's talking to to really get the the to grasp the meaning of that sentence. Um takes a lot and it's more it would definitely be more of a specialty thing if if it was to exist at all yeah 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 it's it's like a guy who's really into like um like i don't know ibm pc compatibles or something right um and he's like oh it's like this mouse that has a trackball for the thumb it's like man i don't right. know what the hell you're talking about right right <laughs> um now i just as an aside do you think that the evolution of cooking has become 
an enthusiast for who's really good at dictating things to the replicator. Um, like computer, right? Make, make me some Klingon targ with a hint of this uh, marinated and this special uh, rub and um, whatever, any number of details. Well, so it's like it's like three parts heart of blargag, two yeah. parts snorf. Basically, uh, yeah. all, all cooks just become ideas, guys. Right, right. Yeah, you you got to like write it down at like the exact measurements on the sheet and kind of like dictate um, very slowly to the the replicator. Yeah, that that's my image of the trajectory of cooking as a hobby in the Star Trek universe. It, it has to be. It has to be. I mean, there's really no other option. Although maybe maybe there is some appreciation for the you know the doing it the old school way. If Riker does it, and you know he obviously just does it to get women, then there must be something to it. If Riker does it, there must be something to it, indeed. Mm-hmm. I had um, there was something I was going to ask. Where, where, where are my notes here? Oh, as long as we're talking about ridiculously minute things. And this is this is this is a step too far in terms of the ridiculously minute. But I take a lot of umbrage with the <laughs> the size of Picard's teacup in the opening scene. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure you don't remember this, but <laughs> if you look at it, it's a very very thin, vertically oriented teacup. However, it's also not that tall, so there's absolutely no way that thing has more than a gulp of tea. It's it's like it's like a little tea party cup for a stuffed animal party. Basically, yes. The equivalent of a tea <laughs> shot glass. <laughs> well, you know, that is I can see why you would be upset about that. I mean, he's just cuz, you know, Patrick Stewart's a pretty he appears to be a pretty dignified guy. Certainly, yeah. Jean Luc Picard is, and he's sitting there holding his dainty little teacup that you know your your daughter's doll would hold, and right, right, it's just ridiculous. It's ridic. Yeah, uh, it it is. It's it's chronicles of ridic. Indeed, indeed. I would even say. Do you think? So here's here's something. Oh, yeah. go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna transition, but if you're gonna transition, I buy it. Okay, um, I'm I'm transitioning. Um, I'm transitioning to another Picard thing, I guess. Um, his use of the term mega strength. Okay, you need to explain this one to me. Well, he says he says something like you know plenty of species have been known to demonstrate mega strength. Right after Data bends the bar. Right, but why would you? Mega strength? Yeah, that's a little juvenile. Is that, is that not weird to you? Superior strength, maybe. Um, um mega strength. Superhuman. It's, it sounds it sounds like something a Pokemon would do. To there's what that argument basically is on from Riker's part is judging um, sentience or or. Uh, being alive by humanity standards, mm-hmm. you know, Picard's absolutely right. You know, Worf could probably bend something pretty pretty thick while still being alive, 
And uh, yeah, I don't know. I agree with you that that phrasing is pretty juvenile and ridiculous. <laughs> I, I guess you know another thing that bothered me more than it bothered you, I suppose. We're we're totally uh, totally off this episode. We're not syncing up. Okay, I got something for you. Okay. Um, how about the reading of the line? you buying at the very end of the episode from the i hate you because i was going to talk about this at the end <laughs> at least we synced up in in a post scarcity society they can ask for things from a replicator who's buying well there's that but the 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 reading of the line itself was um just terrible like kingdom oh, of yes. the crystal skull of energy course, yes you buying <laughs> like why do they use the take yeah yeah um very stupid on all ends i i agree but i i am a little little angry that i didn't get to point it out and, and look like the smart one this time oh uh, you don't get you don't get all of them yeah um it's weird so, how so many of these focus around the the jag officer, Philippa. Yeah, the the jag the jag off is I don't know if 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 we just had a different actress, it would have been so much better. Yes, uh, the the lines themselves still would have been incompatible with Star Trek lore, but um, everything else would have been of a higher quality. Right, they would have been convincing to some degree. Yeah. You buying? <laughs> you um, buying? <laughs> I encourage so, anybody to go rewatch that line and just hear the delivery of it. What did you think? What did you think about the resolution, the immediate resolution of the trial um, and Maddox's reaction to it? Oh, you mean his um, complete and utter instant change of heart? Yeah, um, I didn't. I didn't like it. I right thought that there had to have been a better uh, way to resolve Maddox, and I certainly don't mean that they should have had him like stamping his feet and being like, "Oh no, I lost." Um, well, he should have been a little upset. I mean, that's upsetting. It's an upsetting thing to happen. You travel, or or he sh he you wait all this time and travel, and you want you like this one thing. That is your life's work gets gets completely taken away from you. He should have been upset, but I don't think that. I don't think cartoonishly so. I you, you mean you mean he wouldn't like jump up out of his chair and point at Picard and say, "I'll get you for this." Exactly. I, I just don't want to imply that, but I don't think that an abrupt, unexplained uh, change of heart is the best way to do it either. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, Picard and Data win and. Maddox stands up and says, "Isn't he beautiful?" <laughs> um, and then they really call it weird. out. You know, the jag jagoffs like, "Oh, you yeah. said he instead of it." Yeah. Oh my god. Oh, I wanted to kill myself. What a. It's like thank you. Any I, kind I, of I nuance wasn't would have paying been nice. attention. Yeah. If the only thing missing was her looking directly at the audience. <laughs> I guess we all learned something today. I guess I guess we did. Um, something I, you know, while we're on the trial scene, I, I completely forgot to bring this up when we were talking about the little back and forth, but we actually had a uh, a scene on the cutting room floor here. 
Yes. Um, I mean, it's the it's the title of the episode, right? It is. Yeah, yeah. And so I I can't believe I forgot to to mention it. Uh, I I guess we were kind of like just too into the uh, the, the we were too passionate about the criticism, as we all of this are. episode. Yeah, it's it's sometimes we get lost when. I mean, the purpose of this this podcast is obviously to tell the stories, um, but sometimes we just get a little too wrapped up in the episodes themselves. But um, mm. yeah, so um, the scene where Data admits that he's intimate with Yar, right after this part, we initially had a scene filmed and everything. Um, we had a scene where Picard would ask Data to stand up and pull down his pants so he could measure his genitalia. Right. Um, and he'd argue something like, how could such an impressive specimen be considered just a machine? You know? Um, and unfortunately, for a variety of reasons, this bit got dropped, um, and it completely ruined the double entendre of the episode title. The measure of a man, right? Right. Uh, it doesn't make as much sense anymore. Instead, we just got a bunch of letters like, what does this mean? Uh, no one, I didn't see a tape measure in the whole episode. What the yeah. hell? Yeah, yeah, There's. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. Uh, and, you know, we've had a couple of those this season, but I think this might be the first time where we were actually close to, um, y y you know, uh, making good on, on our episode title, and we just didn't. Um, but if if you do look closely, you can see that Brent was uh, indeed wearing the prosthetic during Picard's interrogation. So Codpiece. definitely go back and take a look. Um, this this was unfortunately one of the scenes that did not get reinstated in the um, the fifty seven minute Blu Ray extended version. Mm. This uh, one is not sure why, but I think it's still in the vault. I mean, obviously Gene's gone, but what is known as Gene's vault uh, has mm -hmm. a lot of forbidden scenes is the best way to put yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's probably with the estate. Yeah. So maybe one day it'll come out. I mean, there's a lot of examples of this throughout various kinds of media. And inevitably they they always find their way into the public hands. Mm -hmm. So, I can't guarantee it'll be mastered very well, but if you find or one day you'll very likely find a scene of, you know, data drop dropping trow, which the funniest part of that was having to do that with the Starfleet uniforms. And I want you yes. in the audience yes. to, to conceptualize in your mind if one had to expose that area of themselves while wearing a Starfleet uniform, how would they do that in an efficient way? Now, I'm not going to ruin the, the surprise. You can stew on this and theorize together until it inevitably comes out. But um, it's a very interesting conundrum that a lot of people don't think of. <laughs> yeah, um, we'd be interested to hear your theories. Um, feel free to theory craft. Indeed. And and let us know. Um, but uh, speaking of Gene, um, we haven't really talked about him too much this episode. When I would say he was maybe a little more involved with the behind the scenes of of this this show than well, than other episodes so far gene is kind of been exiled from from this episode because he kind of screwed the pooch um in i mean i don't want to count the ways but at least in one so not often talked about um element of television production is the need to advertise 
cut promos, things like that. Mm. And Mm -hmm. a lot of times what you do is you, either if it's for this week's episode, you're advertising, or for the season, whatever, you take what you have filmed so far, um, grab little clips, edit them together in an appealing way, maybe put a voiceover narration on it, come up with uh, somebody from the graphics department to make like a like a promo um sign like oh coming september whatever whatever it is that you're advertising a lot of work goes into that and gene once he had taken he receded from direct production um he still enjoyed getting creative with the smaller things like that and i appreciate that it's it's good it's good to stay productive in old age yeah yeah especially when you're you know trying to cope with what he was dealing with indeed now i think a problem is that gene didn't have a lot of overhead on things on anything that he did really um a lot Mm -hmm. of trust he had built up a lot of connections and because of that some things got out the door that maybe shouldn't have key point key example this episode gene's cutting a promo and he's grabbing dialogue from this episode and for some for some reason he takes the line of the JAG officer saying, and I quote, I'm neither competent nor qualified to judge Data as a human being. Except mm. he takes that line and he cuts off the tail end of it to become, quote, I'm neither competent nor qualified, period. Gene thought it was a good idea to take a woman saying how inept she was and just throw it right into the, to the promo. That was <laughs> all over all over uh, network television. Yeah. So it comes out, oh my God, Trek hates women, anti-progressive show, this, all these things. And we, it took us forever to live down that controversy. Gene tried yeah. to, you, you remember, you remember. Um, Gene yeah. tried to apologize about it. He donated to a pretty feminist charity um, I think it was rape apologies. It's like these um, former, obviously former rapists trying to make things right and organize uh, different events and um, demonstrations for various, um, what's the word for it? When you put things through in the government legislation, that, uh, that legislation, helps, yeah. yeah, yeah, that helps women. And that was what it was for. But then when the headlines come out, oh, Gene. Uh, Roddenberry donates what they wrote was rape apologists, and it Oof. was it was a whole new problem. That's uh, um, yeah, that's right. I mean, shoot, I almost forgot about that. But um, even even down to uh, mailroom duty, um, we felt the effects of that for quite some time. Um, constant threats. I think this is a good. This is kind of the tipping point where. It went from being like, oh, kooky, crazy old Gene, over the 50% mark to I'm really just kind of getting sick of this this guy and uh, right, his right. shenanigans because all the problems yeah. he's causing. I mean, yeah, he, he caused he caused countless, um, countless issues like this um, that really just did it cast everyone in a bad light. Uh, and... Um, I mean, so it possibly even worse is that, uh, um, if, if Gene had his way, we wouldn't even have this episode. Uh, he, he nearly killed it right on the spot. 
Executive decision-making I mean, is, is a powerful force. I know. Well, luckily, luckily he's he wasn't as powerful as he, he was, you know, in season one. Right. Um, because his, his idea with this episode, his problem with it is that since Jewish people no longer exist in the future, um, what he might call unclean professions like bankers and money lenders and, um, and lawyers as well, they would have no reason to exist. And, you know, the entire episode centers, obviously, on this lawyer character and, and the creation of legislation. Hmm. Um, so we wouldn't have been able to take that out. It, it was It was either leave it in and go continue with the episode or just completely axe it. Um, luckily we managed to talk him down by reminding him that, you know, while Jews may no longer exist in the future, um, other races of lizard people had already been featured on the show. Right. Some of them feuding with dog people even. mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so obviously there would be need for lawyers and, 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 and lawyers would continue to exist. Gene... Gene, by this point, was becoming a thorn in everyone's side. Um, he did not join us for prayer. No. He, um, we gifted him, as a show of goodwill, um, a complete set of prayer rugs. And mm-hmm. um, I, was, I was disappointed, I think, the most, because I was the one who found them in the dumpster later that day. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, that's sad. It was uh, obviously the literal interpretation of it. Okay, he threw away some rugs but metaphorically he had thrown away the um outreach of the entire crew Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and you know this is going to have ramifications uh going forward Uh, um the ensigns will will of course see but uh wild wild behind the scenes stuff with gene this episode that's for sure indeed now Now, i yeah go ahead Oh, I, we're we're both trying to uh, both trying to tr- transition here at the same time. I know we're it's, trying to segue. We're just a bunch of um, trenders, transition trenders, trans transitioners. Uh, I was just gonna go back down my list here of, of what I wrote and see if there's anything else that I took umbrage with this episode. Oh, I have I have some umbrage. You want some umbrage? Yeah, sure, sure. I had alluded to the scene earlier. Um, I think that the scene. Uh, rather, the shot of Data's going away party is some of the worst, most lifeless direction <laughs> in the the Star Trek canon. Yes, it's horrible. It's for anyone who doesn't remember it. It's a completely flat shot of all of the characters just standing at a table. Everybody's in frame. The shot's like mildly pulled back. There's no movement, no emotion, no life. Um. It's, it's it's a pretty low shot as well. And yes. um Will, who spends a lot of the time speaking, uh, has his back to the camera. I forgot about that. That's, that's completely true. And <laughs> I can see why it might work as a comedy shot when um there's this kind of drawn out moment of data slowly unwrapping his present so as to not rip the paper. But the tone of Will's uh, delivery it's is so off right it's it doesn't work for a joke it's just it's like a pathetic depressing scene <laughs> when it's just such a softball and, and, and joke did you 
did you talk about the lighting as well? It's like it's dark. It's blue. It's all blue for some it's, reason. It's 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 incredibly bleak. It it's almost depressing. It's a real um, c- contradiction because you can take it one way or the other. I guess if you want to make a sad data's leaving scene, or if you want to make a funny data doesn't really know how to unwrap a birthday present scene. Right. Right. The shot could work for either of them if you tweak some of the other elements, depending on what you're going for. But yeah. w- this this weird middle ground that we're in is so bizarre. <laughs> it's a really good point, and it's not something I would have brought up, but y- you are correct. That is, uh, that is a horrible part of this episode. Did I was... Are, are we staying on this scene? I'm not. Okay. I, I wanted to bring up Data's false equivalence of of bringing up Jordy's eyes. Yes, to, to Picard. That was... what was that about? Am I am I misunderstanding this? So the context was that Data um, Picard was saying. Um, you know, you'll still have your, like, memories. You can upload them, and it'll be fine. And then Picard said... I'm sorry, and then Data said, well, why don't you just upgrade your eyes like Geordi? Essentially, paraphrasing. Yeah. And... To be honest, why not <laughs> upgrade your eyes to be like Geordi's if they are just that much I better guess, than right? everyone? I, I, you could come at this from a few angles. I guess. I mean, I think I just kind of inherently misunderstood the scene. It's not great. It's not a great moment. Um, especially when that's supposed to be such a powerful ringer that Picard sends Data away and he picks up the phone. And he's like, get me a lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's. It doesn't make it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, and I, I'm I'm trying to kind of vocalize why but i can't it just doesn't sit well with me that scene it's it's just a bad scene it is um it's bad because it's bad <laughs> bad because bad i like it um speaking of jordy i don't know this didn't make it that far into production but the original version mm-hmm. of this episode is about you know proving and doubting jordy's humanity but it felt a little yes you know well you know you can see kind of uh the the footprints of it left behind yes the in Guinan's speech later on exactly where if in this iteration of it it feels a lot more strange to have um this the black character comparing things to slavery apropos of nothing mm-hmm. um when in the context of the show Guinan her people haven't ever been slaves. So it's like, what? Right, right. I don't quite get it. But when you think about the roots of the episode, um, then it's a little more, makes a little more sense. Yeah, it does. It was, it was a weird thing to bring up in the context of this. Well, I don't know, maybe not. Maybe it, it sort of ended up working. It, it works. But the thing is to me is that, I it being such a big issue and having a black actress bring it up, it makes it have more weight than it logically should. 
because Guinan yeah, yeah. Has, has no connection to slavery. And Picard right. probably isn't either because it's their time is so far removed from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so when you have that, you can't separate the two in your mind and just say, well, you know, Guinan just happens to be bringing up slavery. It's like, no, they're obviously saying something here, even though it doesn't really make sense for the characters to do that. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fair. Uh, I think the idea, introducing that idea to the trial of, you know, we, we make thousands of datas, um, what we decide here is going to going to have an effect on how we treat this new group of people and how that's going to reflect on us. I think that was the most interesting part of the argument. It it is, but to me, it feels a little guilt trippy. Um, for example, if the question is about data, um, data's humanity is being called into question, and you raise the point. Mm-hmm. Well, if we do this, we're going to ins- basically enslave all of the these androids. The logical response from the other side would be, so what? I don't really view these things right, as people right. anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I guess it can really only be brought up in tandem with the rest of the argument. That is that, you know, data is obviously self-conscious and sentient. Right. But I liked I liked its presence in in the argument. Its presence was its presence. Mm-hmm. Just like what I'm doing here. Heyo. Heyo. I don't really like dock the episode for any of this. It's all fine. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's, it's could have been a, just handled slightly better. I don't know. Make it like yes. an eight into a nine or a nine into a ten, whatever it is. Yeah. There's there's. Just a little bit, and you know, I think the subject matter was a little bit too nuanced, deep. Uh. Yeah, yeah, too nuanced, too deep for for a forty-five minute episode. To be honest, I don't think it would work well as um, what's the other option, a two-parter, right? I don't think it would work well for that oh, either. Oh yeah, yeah, no, it's somewhere in the middle for sure. It I mean, won't... that's that's why there was that extended Blu-ray edition, you know. Right, but it's not. The reason it's I don't think the length is why I don't think it would work for a two-parter, but rather there's no point of the episode where you could uh, reasonably have a cliffhanger, which you kind of need whenever you're doing a two-parter. Mm-hmm. Um, rather, it's just one continuous, low-key story. Um, where if it had been a two-parter, I think they the writers would have felt compelled to artificially inflate the tension. In, yeah, in a, you would need like a, a sting and someone would look at the camera and say, we're going to lose our data. <laughs> or uh, there's this contrived moment of Picard pouring over law books and he's like, wait, I found it. I found the loophole, which <laughs> he goes to What's-Her-Face to, to find a loophole and just never really gets anything, <laughs> which I found kind of funny. <laughs> you buying you buying uh final thoughts on the episode 
thought it was great. I'd uh, say it's the the best episode so far by an extremely wide margin. And I have, uh, I'm completely satisfied. Yeah. Yep. I would say the same thing. Um, I think, like I said at the beginning, I think that is basically the, the consensus of Star Trek fans, of Star Trek critics. This is where the series kind of begins, I, I guess. Can't wait for next week to suck. It's going to suck. Uh, <laughs> overall, as much as we complained about this episode, there's not too much I would change. So, yeah, yeah. I think, I think this is the first episode I can sit back and say, you know, I, I would be totally hands-off with it for the most part if, if I had to dig into it and change stuff. And yeah, yeah, I guess that's it. Um, what do you got? So, so okay. This past week, um, I've picked up a comic book series from from our friends, the Tiptons, good friends, um, Scott and David, called uh, Mirror Broken, Star Trek: The Next Generation, Mirror Broken, and. For for the instance who don't know, um, a high chance you've never seen any Mirror Universe episodes, but the concept of the Mirror Universe started back in the original series um, where, you know, there was this parallel universe where uh, Spock and Kirk were evil and had mustaches. To, to show them. And that's kind evil. of, mm -hmm, it's kind of continued you know, throughout the rest of the series is something that, you know, is, is it, it's, it's a well that you can go back to. And that's exactly what the Tiptons did. They said, what about a Star Trek comic that is completely centered on the idea of Picard having a beard and being an asshole? And so we get Star Trek, the next generation mirror broken. Um, we have Picard and all of his mirror universe uh, uh, cohorts serving on the Stargazer. And the plot of the miniseries is that they have to steal the Enterprise, which is being built in secret by the Empire, the human Empire, um, so that they can go kill a bunch of Klingons and Cardassians. This sounds really stupid. It may be one of the worst written things I've ever read. Ever. Um, and I want to go through this issue by issue uh, in terms of questions that I have for you because I need to milk it. Okay. Um, for one thing. But also because there's just so much there. Um, the, the prologue issue, uh, episode zero, you might say, um, it introduces us to the crew. Um, you got Picard, you got Data, Troy, Yar. Um, I don't think anyone else is there yet. Oh, you have Barclay, who I I, I mistook for Remick, but oh. that just goes to show you how how many effete men we have as uh, guest characters on on TNG. Well, if this is the mirror universe, um, Barclay should be um, like he was in the nth degree, right? Like. 
competent and confident? Well, yeah, somewhat. Um, he's he's a low-ranking officer. Um, he's not necessarily as pathetic as he was in his introduction in um, the show, but he's not uh, he's not super confident or anything like that. Um, but the prologue focuses on him, and at one point, the stargazer is shipping. Um, prisoners um i can't remember if they're vulcan or klingon well if you don't say it right i'm not gonna be able to get the question i know what were they the books on the other side of the room but anyway they're they're slaves basically and uh the the stargazer is is escorting like four or five ships full of slaves and there's there's a big uprising right and um, on, on two of the ships. So um, Picard says to Barclay, um, you know, go assist Yar in, uh, in dealing with this or whatever. And so Barclay goes and um, figures out where Yar is, and she immediately punches him in the stomach uh, for no reason. Well, and, it's the uh, mirror universe. What do you want? Right, right. And... Um, she decides, well, you know, let's send a message. And she blows up two of the ships, just completely destroys them. Um, afterwards, there's a, an award ceremony hosted by Picard uh, where he awards uh, Yar for, for her, her actions, I guess. He gives her a little medal in front of all the rest of the crew. Um, and Barclay, by the end of this, this, this prologue here though, like within the next couple pages, he actually becomes the, the chief security officer instead of Yar. And my question to you is how did he do that? How did Barclay become the chief security officer instead of Yar in the mirror universe? How did, how did he take Yar's job after after uh, Yar received a medal from Picard? I just want you to know that listening to the preamble of this question is the most difficult thing I've ever done on this podcast. <laughs> um, okay. Um, I'm going to say besting Yar in some kind of physical combat. Uh-huh. Yes. Take that one a little further. Oh jeez! Um, sneak attacking her with a knife. Yes. No way. <laughs> exactly what he does. Holy shit! He sneak attacks her and stabs her in the back with a knife. <laughs> and then Picard looks directly at the reader and says, "Yes, it's exactly how I planned it. I hosted a fake award ceremony and told you, Barclay, to kill Yar." No way! You're lying to me. And no, no, that's it. Uh, and and you cannot deny that the preamble was not worth this revelation. That juice was worth the squeeze. <laughs> Good lord! I'm just amazed with myself that I got that. Yeah, <laughs> especially with a knife. What a what a primitive weapon. So um, uncivilized. Really, I can't. I can't believe what a poorly written piece of garbage this is, and it's really ignited my curiosity for the rest of Star Trek Apocrypha. 
Let me just uh, double check here. You can't believe that a Star Trek comic book is poorly written? Well, I mean, for something published in 2017, you, you would think like there would be some kind of standard. Mm. Eh, well, I don't know. Not really, actually. I guess not. I, I don't know. I guess not. So, um, yeah, yeah. And, and, and there's there's a lot here, so... Let me um, just take a moment to appreciate the fact that even in the reverse mirror universe, uh, Yar still is not able to to live to survive. Yes, I did. I did like that. That was a nice little little bit of irony, I guess. Um, by all means, she should she should still be alive here, but nope. And killed by Barkley of all people. That's just embarrassing. Yeah. Um. Troy is also a slut in this up, uh, this this series. I know you like which that. is it's it's not it's not much different. Yeah, really. not not very mirrory. Right. She should be wearing a hijab. <laughs> she should like be good at her job. <laughs> <laughs> well, they they call her the Inquisitor. Ah, that's the natural opposite of a therapist, she, I guess. Of a, of a, yeah, <laughs> she she reads people's minds and uh, figures out who's planning on betraying the captain. I feel like in the so mirror universe, it's just about anyone at any given time. It's probably plotting against the captain. Yeah, I mean, pretty much everyone's just ready to kill whoever's directly above them. It doesn't really make for very interesting fiction. Does Data use contractions in the mirror universe? Yes! <laughs> yes, he does. He uses contractions, and his whole shtick is that he modifies himself with, like, weapons and stuff, so he's always attaching, like, guns to his arm and stuff. It's horrible. Um, does, does Jordy, does, does he have functioning eyes in the mirror universe? No, but he has a different kind of visor. Okay. Is there anybody else I want to know about? <laughs> not, not really, no. <laughs> Um, you remember, you remember that, never mind, this might be trivia. I don't want to tell you just yet. Can't, can't rob from Peter to pay Paul. Yeah, exactly. That is, that is how I would have put it. Well, then I guess that, that'll do it for today. I once again emerge victorious against all odds. Somehow, somehow. Indeed. Um, next week, will I be so lucky? Who knows? But thank you all for joining us this week. I hope you'll join us next week, and uh, I kind of hope you'll join us the week after that. Until those times, though, everybody, please stay readier. The Troublesome Little Man Child. Consider that in the history of many worlds, there have always been disposable creatures. Beginning, 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 beginning.